This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. This is Roger LaPointe, and I have known Bob Whalen for many years at this point, and he is one of the most intense individuals you will ever meet. Go MindForce Radio. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight's guest is Bill Pache. I've known Bill for at least 15 years. He is a real gentleman and one of the good guys in this field. Bill competed as a powerlifter and did a triple bodyweight deadlift as one of the top natural powerlifters in the country back in the 1980s. You have to be careful shaking hands with Bill, too. He is a certified captain of crush, closing the number three gripper, which is very hard to do. He recently turned his attention to natural bodybuilding, and he is becoming about as cut as Clarence Bass, he is extremely knowledgeable on proper nutrition for bodybuilding, too, and that's mainly to lose fat without losing muscle, so I'll be picking Bill's brain on this tonight. He is the author of an excellent ebook that I highly recommend entitled How to Transform Your Physique. He is a contributing author in the book Maximize Your Training, and he is the author of a best-selling gripper course entitled The KTA Program. Bill has written numerous articles for various publications such as Hard Gainer, Milo, Powerlifting USA, Monster Muscle, Hard Training Newsletter, Master Trainer Newsletter, and several websites too. He has a few on my website, naturalstrength.com. Bill is also an, an internet pioneer. He started one of the best and first and probably the first strength training websites on the net called Cyberpump way back in 1995. It is enormously popular, and it's grown into a network. It now includes several of the best and most popular strength training, grip training, and iron game history websites in the world. Cyberpump.com is the place to go for real, truthful strength training advice. That's C Y B E R. P-U-M-P dot com. Big Bill, welcome to Natural Strength Night. I really appreciate you having me on the show. All right, Bill, let's get right into it. The first question, 
What are your biggest lessons learned since you started strength training? Okay, so one of the the biggest lessons learned that, that really didn't, it was probably the, the least thing on my radar when I first started lifting. And there was a lot, actually, there was a lot of, if you really look back in, in it was back in 1979 when I first started lifting. Uh, the biggest mistake was not looking at the the proper nutritional aspect of, of training that accompanies the training itself. So it didn't matter. I, I bought right into the supplement thing right away, right out of the gate, you know, as a, being a youngster in high school, which is typical. And at that time where I, where I actually grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, there were no commercial gyms. And so all I had was uh, muscle builder power at the time and for information. And unlike today, which we'll talk about social media and its impact, there wasn't much information period out there and it, it was very obscure. So the first thing that I saw was a huge influence and, and what I wanted to do uh, after getting squashed in football is really what, how I got started lifting in the first place. And so right out of the gate from a nutrition aspect, it was it never came into play until way late. And, and we're talking decades later about, about how important that aspect is. And so that was probably number one. And when I say decades, it, it probably wasn't until somewhere in the last, I would say even the last five to six years, really where it got in my head that it's, it's a lot uh, is what you, your impact for your training is happens in what your diet is. So that was, I would say that would be number one for me. So number two was, again, the influence. I wanted to be strong, and it was getting strong at all costs. And, and because I wanted to get strong, it naturally led to powerlifting. And so I started competing in powerlifting. And to get strong for me back then was at all costs, which meant uh, really at all costs from a technique and form standpoint. So there really wasn't any, a lot of technique that I used. It was, it was more uh, use all aggression and, and basically get the weight. The third one would be not understanding actual progression and what that, and what that meant in the grand scheme of things. And then being from a goal standpoint, not setting realistic goals and the the idea that there's going to be infinite gains in all three of those together, maybe not so the nutrition part, but the the actual getting in and lifting and then the progress not using proper progression led to the injuries as well as the powerlifting. How would you explain your theory on proper progression? What does that mean to you? Well, back when I was doing it improperly was every workout you go up five pounds, five or ten pounds. It didn't matter what, what the workout, every single workout. Now, I try to use the example of, say, the squat. So if you're squatting 200 pounds for, for 10 repetitions at the beginning of a year and 50, and you only, say, for example, you only squat uh, one, one time a week and you add uh, 10 pounds to the bar each squat session, that's basically 52 weeks of, of a 10-pound increase. That's 520 pounds of gain in a year, which is physically impossible, obviously. And when you put it in right. those terms, they scratch their head. Um, so thinking you could go up 5 to 10 pounds every workout was obviously erroneous. What is your take today, Bill, on 
constraining to failure versus what you thought decades ago? One of the things I've learned, especially in the past couple of years, training to failure, people are using every other body part when they're training, say, for example, during a bicep curl. They're actually ended up doing more of a power clean and they're using every other muscle in their body. So when I thought I was training to failure, there was a lot of other muscles that were being involved in the movement. And, and a lot of times the actual muscle that was supposed to be worked was not being worked over the full range of motion in full in full uh, extension and contraction. And so when I was quote reaching failure, it, it really wasn't it really wasn't true failure for the muscles that were I was targeting. Um, and so it was a misnomer. So but actual failure ended up being body failure if you want to really get into it and, and a lot of the exercise because everything else was coming into play when I was working different muscles. Uh, for example, um, the squat. Uh, you'll see people. The squat is could be the can be the worst leg developer there is because people turn it into a back lift, and they're using they're exploding. And the amount of tension, for example, on their legs is a microsecond for what they're doing, and they're using a, a large and say their range of motion is limited. They end up using a large amount of weight that also it really hits their nervous system adversely. So you got all those things added up together. And so failure um, really isn't as precise as what I believe it is. It should be today from that perspective. And it all has to do with how people are executing all the different lifts. I know exactly what you mean because, you know, I see a lot of guys when they squat, it looks like they're doing a variation of a good morning movement. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So the squat, that's why I said people don't, it, it, the, they put the bar down low on their back. It goes, the bar goes over their hips. It becomes a, a lower back hip movement. And then people wonder why using too much weight for too low repetitions. And that's why if you right. know the, the 20 rep squat routine is very effective because my belief now is even for legs, you need to uh, use higher repetitions. And then in general, the other thing is, is people are afraid of doing higher repetitions and I was as well and it was five or less or you're or you're not you're you're toning even back then when I first started and that people are afraid of using higher repetitions and that's a big mistake in, in my opinion and that includes for upper body too yeah and I think you also probably back then used mostly free weights right and probably now you use a lot of machines is that correct that's correct. I love using uh, machines now in comparison. I do use some free weights. I use both, and they're both tools to be able to contract the muscle and, and get the muscle working. It's not to hit my joints. It's not to make. It, it's not to basically hump weights up and things like that. So I also love it because it allows me to train faster with respect to rest between sets, which is another thing that I, I actually going back to the mistakes is not accounting for the rest in between sets and what a huge variation you can have in your workouts. But just, you see people getting on their smartphones, for example, and all of a sudden there's uh, 10 minutes between uh, between sets. That's just not gonna cut it, even consistency from a progression standpoint from one workout to the next. So from that standpoint, like I said, I love to be able to use machines because they're able, I'm able to train with a higher intensity because of it and be able to do easily things like drop sets and do pre-exhaust sets and be able to move quickly between exercises. 
what are reasonable expectations of muscular and strength gains? Some people seem to think there are infinite gains. Do you agree? Uh, no, actually, Bob, that's one of the, the things that, that I guess I've learned over time, you know, from when you first start, you have the, the big prize on your mind, so to speak, uh, of, of all different levels, whether it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, or just strength in general. And if you look at it, if you look at, a, a for example, use a male and, and say, okay, if you have a male that's, that's say, 6% body fat and 200 pounds, that's huge. And there's been a, a lot of misconceptions, in the, and we'll get to talk a little bit more about social media, but the whole perception of, of what big and strong is from that standpoint and what, what type of levels of muscular body weight that, that a person can achieve naturally has gotten really skewed from that standpoint. And what I've seen happen is is, is guys get fat, uh, <laughs> it really what, what it amounts to, especially, especially guys that have been trained for a longer period of time they start kidding themselves and, and uh, from that perspective and don't really do the shift to health either or, or really look at health. And I was one of the worst, you know, powerlifting is horrible on your body, as I mentioned. And so don't start looking at the health aspect of it. And so what happens is, is, is they let, they continue to eat too much, which is another topic I'm going to talk about. Take in too much protein, which is another thing. People get too much protein and uh, the, the quote, Gains that come that they're getting end up being, you know, a lot of fat that goes along with it. So they're just kind of kidding themselves. And the other thing that, of course, is is that form breaks down, and pretty soon partial lifts are being done. That's another thing as far as quote gains. And people don't like for me to tell them this, but it really comes down to you have to come to a certain point. Either you got it or you don't. And there is no such thing as infinite gains. And, yeah, you're going to be – you can still challenge yourself. I'm not saying that you don't come up with new challenges. There's always ways to challenge yourself. And that's, that's what's great right. about this is, is you can always come up with some new way to challenge yourself that you've never done before from that perspective. Maybe you didn't do grip training when you were younger. That's one of the things I ended up doing. And so I got into the uh, grip training. And there's plenty of other examples from that perspective. Bottom line still is that you enjoy your training, and you look at it from the health aspect, uh, and definitely you got you got to make that shift at some point in time. Otherwise, simply you're going to get hurt and you're going to be disappointed. And going forward, like I said, you're you're not going to be happy, at least not the way I see it. Right, I totally agree. I think some people they micromanage their training too much, and they're focused too much on numbers and their and their progression. They're focusing too much on getting a certain number by a certain time, and if they don't get a certain number, they get upset. And you know, and I tell some of these people over and over, and they they still don't get it. But you know, I try to keep it positive in my in, in my mind. When I talk about gains, I'm talking about self improvement. I'm not thinking about any certain number. And also, things change when you get older too. You're not going to lift as much when you're 60, you know, as you did when you were competing, you know, in your 20s. Exactly. It's just pretty much, but I'm still going to be trying to, I might, and I'm not even doing the same exercises anymore. I don't squat now with a bar in my back, and I don't, you know, I, I do mostly trap bar deadlifts now, and uh, and I use mostly machines for upper body. I'll throw in some uh, barbells and dumbbells once in a while, but for upper body, I mostly use 
Hammer and uh, I have a Nautilus Power Plus uh, military press, but I mostly use Hammer and just a few free weight things I'm, you know, that I'm using right now. But you have to adjust when you get older. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is, is I kind of liken it the way I feel is that, is that I'm low on oil as it is from that standpoint, like a car. And, and I found that dynamically is where you can get, if you start getting, and, and of course I did it wrong anyway when I was younger, but if you try and get in dynamic, I found my static strength is still, it's really strange, but my static strength is there a lot more than my dynamic, where dynamic feels like I'm going to blow apart, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but but as, as long as I pause, I actually work with weights so I can actually pause and contract in static, do, do somewhat of a, a little bit of a static hold in the, in the contracted position. And I found that's, that's a heck of a lot more effective. And actually, it's something that, there's a lot of different training aspects, whether you whether you're doing isometrics or other things that I basically missed out on. And, and like I said, I was down in my basement for the majority of the training until the last about three or four years, where I I am now using hammer strength um, exclusively from that standpoint. And I don't barbell squat anymore. I actually do a version of of goblet squat because I'm able to control the weight exactly and, and keep it towards my center of gravity a lot more as well. And I find it's more of a cardiovascular. I, I use it to also get some cardiovascular. Um, that also, by the way, is, is something that I think people, that people aren't training very hard. Even when they're not using, they're, they're again, not using proper form, they're still not training very hard. And one of the things is being able, the great, a great variable as you get older to try and to try and progress is is limited as far as the amount of rest and I, I talked I think I talked about that earlier is forget standing around and I did Bob I'm telling you I did too much standing around when I was younger when I was training. <laughs> yeah, now I believe you. I mean in powerlifting that's what you do, you know, but it's a whole different sport. It's fun and because you, you're focusing only on the weight and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean I, I kind of like that in a way, but. I, I can see how you're not going to get as good of a workout in. Yeah, exactly. I, if you go fa- fast, you're going to get a lot better conditioning. If, you, if you're looking to get overall conditioning as well as just strength, then, you know, definitely going faster is better. Yeah. So one of the other things is people training like powerlifters still. Or they've never even competed and they're still training like powerlifters. You're not going to get – powerlifting is about leverages. It is about how you're wired up. Okay, it's not necessarily directly correlated to how you're gonna, how you how much you develop and how much muscle you put on your body. Is it is it correlated? Yeah, depending on your genetics. But there's plenty, as you know, plenty of powerlifters, 148 pounds that can, you know, squat 600 pounds and their legs look like, like uh, not very big from a musculature standpoint, okay? And then you'll have another 148-pounder that looks like quads like Tom Platt. So it all depends on your, you know, what your genetics dictate. But major, for the majority of the people, performing a set of three reps is a, is a test of strength. And when you're getting into fives and everything, unless you're doing multiple sets, uh, you're not going to get, you know, like myself, I wasn't doing that many sets. So don't expect you to put yourself to put on a huge, as much maybe potential muscle mass that you may be able to put on just because it's, in my opinion, you're not going to be hitting the rep ranges where you're necessarily going to be stimulating it fully. So, um, again, people people train like powerlifters, and they wonder why. Well, geez, I'm not really, I really don't look any better per se, or I'm not uh, in my musculature. I'm not getting developed on all on all parts and everything. Yeah, what I used to do 
I used to just train the power lifts, just those three lifts, like a power lifter. And then I would have, you know, the rest of my workout more like a bodybuilding routine. You know, I would do, because I've always done lots of exercises, and I, I still do. I mean, I've never been one of these nine-minute workout kind of guys. My, my workouts usually take an hour because I like to throw everything in there. I mean, I like to do the horizontal and vertical push and pull, and I like to do abs, neck, grip, you know. And now I'm usually doing one set, but I, I like to throw stuff in, you know, like wrist roller and things like that. So, uh, but the main thing is, is that you enjoy it, right? So as long as you enjoy it and you're having a good, good time with it and you love it, you're going to stick with it. So my view of the expectations is, is mostly mental because if you're happy with what you're doing and it's, it's kind of a, a mental disappointment for lots of people because they, they don't know how to manage their expectations. And, and like I said, the, the aspect even social media has made it even more, uh, skewed from what expectations are from from that standpoint. And one thing I want, one caveat I want to add about enjoying training, you can't enjoy training if you're injured, okay? And I'm pretty That's hard right. over on this. I, my point is, is any sort of strength training program, and, and some people are going to disagree with me, I'm sure, and that's fine. There's nothing you should be doing when you're lifting from that perspective that should put you in jeopardy of injuring your body. It's supposed to be something that's making your body stronger and more resilient, especially as you get older. It shouldn't be putting you in danger of getting injured. It shouldn't be part of the game. Now, if you're competing, just to say that I'm going to go on the gym and injure myself as a casual trainee that's supposed to be doing it to make themselves right. Same thing with athletes. There's no way an athlete should be taken off the field, in my opinion, because of the strength training routine. What uh, injuries did you get again from powerlifting build? I heard my back was mainly st- multiple strains. You know, you can't bend over. You probably remember that one, Bob, right? You can't bend over right. very well. You strain your lower back. I never popped anything, which, thank goodness. Um, one of the things I, I finally uh, found for me what ended up being the fountain of youth, I tried all sorts of things that were... You know, you had to, I had to use an NSAID at, at times even to sleep, like leave and everything. And finally after, you know, a chiropractor and, and multiple different chiropractors over the years and trying different things and stretching, I found that, that foam rolling, believe it or not, it's more, more heavy duty deep tissue massage um, has enabled me to, uh, to, to basically not have to take anything and has alleviated um, any sort of lower back pain that I had before. So I think everything was just tightening up over the years. And uh, mm-hmm. by using uh, I do it twice a day, it's my basically I do a foam roll twice a day, but it's really it's a very heavy one and, and go through my whole body um, twice a day religiously. And that keeps me uh, as far as any – I haven't used an anti-inflammatory, for example, in years for any of the former aches and pains that, that uh, I could carry over for years in, from powerlifting, mm-hmm. mainly the lower back. Now, do you still do squats or deadlifts with a ball? Gosh, I mean? I, it's been – it may even be 10 years, just north of 40, probably about 43. you have a squat machine? Well, yeah, actually, what I'm using is doing goblet squats, which is taking a dumbbell. And I, and I, do, I basically do high repetition drop sets uh, with, where you just I set up a, a row of dumbbells. And what mm-hmm. I'll do is perform a, a set of goblet squats and then just pick the next dumbbell up and get somewhere 
typically it's about 30 to 40 repetitions. Um, rest 30 seconds and repeat. Um, so I go back up wow. to the heaviest dumbbell. That's what I'm. That's what I'm currently doing right now. And I usually do three cycles of that, and I'm done. Um, but I'm wow. also focused. I'm. I'm actually focusing not on just getting the weight. I'm actually focusing on using my hamstrings to pull myself into the bottom position. I'm also sl- uh, so very very controlled. I'm not dropping using gravity at all. So I'm actually, like I said, I'm pulling myself into the bottom position and uh, contracting and then smoothly contracting to the top. Um, not super slow by any means, just smooth. Um, so I'm not, so I basically limit any accelerations or, or any sort of jerking in the movement at all. I'm completely smooth. Um, so that's what I've been doing lately. To be honest with you, I haven't, um, previous to that, you know, there was a, uh, Probably, I did, you know, I did some leg press. There's a machine, uh, you know, at the gym, did some leg press. And I was still um, doing uh, lighter squats at the time. Um, but um, after I, w- once uh, my back was in order, I decided I'm not going to do any major spine-bearing exercises, direct spine-bearing exercises on top of my shoulders. I now do machine squats. I have a squat machine very similar to a pendulum machine. But it was real heavy duty, made like a hammer machine. It was kind of a combination of a of a hammer machine, as far as how strong it was, but it was similar to a pendulum squat. I've had that for about 15 years. It works good because it the way it fits you, it takes that pressure off that spot. You know how the powerlifters always have that. If you've competed a long time, we talked about this before, but we have kind of a a bump on our back where the bar goes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have you have one of those too. Yeah, it's like the you end up having a slot back there. So yeah, yeah. it's almost like uh, your body manufactures tissue or something. To but anyway, when you get older, that little spot I don't know what it is, but it, it hurts when you put the bar there. So you got to find a different spot to put it, right? But th- this machine is perfect. The only reason why is that there isn't one at the gym. There's so there's two or three. Uh, uh, machines that I've seen uh, on videos and people have posted videos and, and I look at it and it's like, man, I wish the gym that I train at had one of those babies, you know, so I'm jealous, Bob, <laughs> for sure. And the only reason why I like it, yeah, it, there's just, I just don't want to get on a 45, you know, a 45 degree light press, the leverages are too good. It sounds bad, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird to say that, but the leverages on a 45 are too good. And it just doesn't feel right, so I just don't have a, a good machine like that. Otherwise, I'd be all over it. Yeah, but Bill, what you're doing is working. I've seen your recent photos. You should stick to what you're doing. If anyone hasn't seen Bill lately, I mean, you, you got to go to Cyberpump and check out his picture. He's like a modern day Clarence Bats. What is your I, body I, fat I, now, Bill? I don't know. It's it's pretty low. I walk around. Um, with pretty low body fat nowadays, just naturally, uh, which blows me away because I've now actually uh, in better shape from that perspective by far than when I was in my 20s or at any other time. And, and like I said, the reason why is it's, it's all diet, um, dis- discipline right. associated with it and diet. So um, I actually, by the way, I've, I actually emailed somebody at University of Iowa and uh, they had a, a bod pod or something, and I was uh, trying to uh, contact them. They never responded back to me to see if I could get my body fat measured some way um, with a is you know as accurate a method. And I guess that I guess that's pretty accurate, but I'm not sure. Well, it definitely lo- looks like it's single digits. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it's probably south of ten percent. Um, I, I'm pretty comfortable. And now nowadays, like I said, people have a tendency to to uh, over um, underestimate the body fat. But I'm pretty comfortable. I think and confident saying that it's probably under ten percent. Let's talk about supplements. How much of a role do you think they play in strength training or bodybuilding? And I mean natural, of course, gains today. Well, I as I mentioned earlier, you know, that was the the whole deal, dynamic muscle builder, you know, back in the old muscle builder power and everything. And I've got gone complete full circle on that. And even during alternate the time that I was powerlifting I'd have a, a a protein shake and everything like that. And now I I don't do any of that. <laughs> and uh and I also think I mentioned earlier about people eating too much protein. Uh, my usual portions, like if I if I have a piece of chicken, it's a four ounce piece of chicken. If you look at the number of grams, and actually, I've been keeping track for months. And if you actually look at the grams of protein that you get, even without even trying, if you just eat healthy, it's plenty of protein. So the, as you know, a protein shake tends to be the, one of the main gigs for everybody in the weight game uh, from that perspective. And and unless you're looking to put in extra calories specifically, you know, if you're a real skinny guy or something, and, and for convenience, if you're treating it like a meal and you actually have a good carbohydrate with it, the problem is is most of the protein powders, like I said, have crap in them and, and, are, and they have all sorts of processed stuff. And, and, and now I just read an article. My son sent me an article about protein spiking. That, that can occur. So the, the the stuff there's a lot of junk out there. So you don't even and don't even know what you're getting. And of course the internet companies have sprung up all over the place. So now you got supplement companies coming out of our ears. Uh, you know mm-hmm. before at least back in the 80s or just a few. Now there's everybody is starting a supplement company and uh, you know a transform nutrition, you know, and, or, you know, uh, some of the GAT new, you know, so you, you've got them all over the place. And so people are getting bombarded with even more supplements and, and people saying that, you know, you need to supplement what your, your diet. And I just don't believe in it anymore. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarger 9 product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. 
He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen. To maximize your natural muscular and strength potential, please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters 
four lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I R O N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on Mindforce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30 or 60 second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on mindforceradio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on Mindforce Radio. Do you believe in any supplements at all? Like, do you take anything for health? Yeah, a multivitamin, yeah, because it's cheap. I still look to try and get a high-quality multivitamin. But now, the way I'm eating with the way I eat vegetables and everything, I'm probably even overkill. And usually I only do it, you know, maybe every other day. And even then, I'm I'm questioning whether I even need to do it um, from that standpoint. But a little insurance, it's cheap. Uh, So, yeah, the multivitamin... Stuff I was focusing on was all the other junk out there, as you know, um, whether it's, uh, you know, it's testosterone boosters or, or all the different protein powders and that are out there. Um, there's just so many of them. So that's when I was referring to that. That's what I was talking to, uh, talking about. But, but yeah, I do take uh, a multivitamin on occasion. I believe that just about all performance supplements, especially protein, is a complete waste of money. Just like you, I do take a few things for health, but they have nothing to do with strength training. Now, Bill, I know you've been dying to talk about this next question. You've been chomping at the bit, right? What what do you think about social media and its role today in training information or misinformation? Well, all it's done is exponentially uh, put an exponential on this thing as far as misinformation. I've never seen so much misinformation and so much garbage it's gotten to the point now it, it's it's it, it's getting of a, of a spam proportions from that perspective. So and it's just overwhelming. I I I just wouldn't know what to think. We've got we've got you know um, a chubby sixteen year old kids having YouTube channels uh, with you know fifty thousand followers. It's ridiculous. I mean he's barely been in the gym <laughs> probably for two years. You know in in in. Uh, it's unbelievable, and that's just one example. And he's selling T-shirts and everything like that. It's like, I, and and the bad part about it is, it'd be the equivalent of when I started back in 1979 as a, as a young kid in high school. You know, I, I I got my my head beat in in football and wanted to get stronger for football. And now you got the, all these internet experts that literally, I'm not. T- this is not made up, Bob. This is this. This kid is probably 17 or 18 now. I, I exaggerated a little bit. But when he started, he probably was 16 year, years old. And he's giving out advice, you know, and then all, he's got all these followers. It's an epidemic proportions, And we're not even going to talk about some of the, the other bad areas from that, the dark side of things as well, 
that, that are just getting all sorts of, like I said, all the information and all the texting and all the all the selfies and everything that's going on. Um, so the good part is, so I'm always trying to be positive about things, is that uh, from a health standpoint, so I'm going to connect to health, you got to be your own self-advocate when it comes to health and being having a healthy body going forward. So uh, assuming that someone is training to be healthy, that information is is really good. For example, if I want to know about uh, asparagus and what is what, what, everything about asparagus, I can go and in Google and, and find all that information at, at my fingertips. Um, what's the be- better vegetables from a nutrition standpoint? So that's a very positive thing about the uh, about explosion in, in general of the internet and and even connecting into social media where you can find organic food, for example, where the companies are in, are, are very well connected with social media. So that's where I, I like, that's the positive aspect of it. Um, so unfortunately, the I, in my opinion, the negative still outweighs the positive. One of the most positive parts of social media is your website, cyberpump.com. So if anyone out there hasn't heard of it, I mean, you probably all should have, but in case there's a few that haven't, cyberpump.com is one of the best sites you can go to. It's it's truthful, honest information, no hype, and uh, you're listening to the guy who owns and runs it, so you know it's uh, it's one of the best sites on the net, so cyberpump.com. So, Bill, how did you think of that website? You know, because you started that way back, what, in... 95 or so? Okay, well, what had happened was, so I had basically got connected into the Internet through work at that time, and nobody who I work with was connected, and we just happened to have a special type of workstation that that ended up getting connected to the early Internet. And at that time, we actually got connected just before our web pages really started, just a little bit briefly, and all they had was news groups. And at the time, we, I called it the news group wars because it was basically like the early discussion forum uh, format, except it was they were called news groups. And there, I believe it was miscellaneous dot uh, fitness dot weight. At first, it was I think it was named something else, but everybody was interested in strength training, powerlifting, bodybuilding, all that. Basically, hung out and posted these messages there, and that's when when uh, the, the first hit versus all others started. Uh, way back then as well. And so uh, what happened next was uh, the early inter- Internet sites, majority of them, and you're going to laugh at this one when I tell you, the, the Yahoo I kind of scoffed at. I basically said uh, I looked at all the Internet sites, and all anybody did back then was link to each other. So all they had, all the, the early websites were just uh, link pages basically. They're just a bunch of links, and, and I scoffed at Yahoo at the time. <laughs> Yeah, this thing kind of stinks. Oh, this is a bunch of links. This isn't a big deal. And no one was providing any sort of content. And a friend at work again told me about uh, GeoPages, which actually was run out of a bank, I believe, in California. Um, they had some web servers, and you could sign up for a free home GeoPage. And so at that time, the GeoPages actually were like street addresses. So I believe an early one was for Cyberpump was GeoPages slash the Tropics slash with a street address like one one something, and uh, I actually put 
his name was Roland Sherlock on it just to see if I could put an image up uh, on the web page. And I thought it was the coolest thing because I could publish something for everyone in the world to see. And so I got one of those free pages, and I decided that at that time, well, let's, let's provide some content to combat the, the, the muscle, muscle comic books at the time because there was nothing like it on the web. And so I started writing some articles, and through that news group, um, I, people that hung out there, Matt Brisky hung out there, Rob Spector hung out there, and eventually they were posting there, and some others as well. Uh, that Lyle McDonald, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lyle, but he's published many books now, um, basically recruited people to write for, the, for Cyberpunk. And one of the other foundational principles that, that I created uh, early from a, a website standpoint that really irritated me that other websites didn't do is they didn't update very often. And so I made it a pact basically to make sure at least multiple times a week and try to update daily. And basically continue to recruit writers. Um, pretty soon um, the address changed. It continued to grow. Uh, we started getting early awards uh, based on it because no one was providing content, and we were basically providing new articles almost on a daily basis. And then through the news group, it continued to grow as well. And so GeoPages ended up turning into GeoCities. And uh, pretty soon uh, we outgrew GeoCities because we we're getting too much traffic. And uh, they basically said, you know, after winning some awards and things like that, Cyberpump was in GQ magazine um, and won some early web awards before before the thing the uh, World Wide Web really exploded. Um, moved to a different location and, and uh, registered Cyberpump.com as a .com. Um, the name was the, the same. The address actually got to be a .com address, and it continued to to grow and server uh, bandwidth continued to be a problem and and pretty soon um, it got to the point where we had to put it behind uh, what what's called the donators area which also was unique it's still there today so it's a dollar a month basically and that was a decade ago and that hasn't changed and that's basically just to make sure now we're on a dedicated server um, so there's multiple .coms associated with Cyberpump, including gripboard.com, which is uh, a grip uh, discussion forum. And uh, so it continued to grow, and uh, we had to, to either uh, live or die um, about, I think it at least was about a decade ago, um, probably about eight or nine years, actually, and decided, okay, it's going to live or die uh, by the members because uh, it was just too much traffic to be able to handle it uh, without basically going in the red period deep. And uh, so that's what happened there, and it's been um, basically surviving due to some, some very dedicated people that still support the site, and, and uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, some sponsors as well, such as yourself, Bob, that continue to support what we do on Cyberpunk. Um, so that's kind of where we're at, and we're still – so there's basically been articles published since 1995, so it's going on 19 years, almost on a daily basis. So if someone could go in and cyberpump, um, and we're adding new content on a weekly basis, 
Um, I have my column in there, how to transform your physique, and I think I'm on entry number 190-something. And uh, we continue to add content, and uh, you get lost in there. So uh, it's a huge uh, library of articles. I, I don't want to forget to mention ironhistory.com, which is also part of the Cyberpunk Network. Joe Rourke, who used to be the IFBB historian, um, runs a, one of the best, the DUI, I think it's the best, a discussion forum on iron history. And uh, he has a regular column on Cyberpunk as well that I don't think we've missed. It's got to be going on 10 years updating uh, his column every week um, where he covers uh, iron history from Paul Anderson to uh, to bodybuilding to uh, you name it. So it, it's like a library of iron history we have stored on Cyberpump as well. It, it's actually all on one dedicated server. Um, and, and there's actually a guy, people don't know this, and I might as well tell uh, so most, some people know this. There's actually a, a server administrator. He's the lower level administrator in Russia. His name is Len. And this is something you didn't know, so this is a, it's kind of, a, it hasn't been a secret or anything. So he's a guy that basically makes sure the server stays up, that runs all the, the, the various dot coms from that perspective. Uh, Len is a, such a, he's a great guy. We've worked together for years now. He's kind of the insurance policy, makes sure everything's uh, running from a server standpoint and, and up and running and, and then it doesn't go down or if there's any problems or anything. So, I bet you that's something you didn't know, Bob, that there's a, a, a guy uh, named Len in, in, that I've worked with in Russia for years now. No, I didn't know that, but um, one of the good things about the Internet is that you can find a lot of great help, and they'll do outstanding work a hell of a lot cheaper than um, Americans will do it. Like a lot of my books that I had published, the old-time books, I mean, that's just one area. I'll just say I have a lot of Internet stuff, and just my business stuff is done, done by people in Romania um, and all, all over Eastern Europe. And um, so you're right, and they do awesome work too. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's, that's a positive thing about the growth of the Internet is, is not only the information but a, a true uh, diverse uh, ability across the, 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 the world. The, the grip board is uh, we have – members from all over the world. It's a great community we have there in the gripboard.com. And it's just a, a, a fun time of, of people across the world coming together with uh, similar interests. And uh, and it just it works so well from that perspective. And, and, and like I said, it's amazing um, over on the gripboard, for example, and how well people get along and everything from that perspective as a community, a group community, and, and the camaraderie that goes with it. And Bill, speaking of grip work, aren't you a captain of Crush? Uh, yeah, I was a certified 1001. I think I was, with, and that was one of the things I wrecked everything else except my grip. Um, so, so it was like, hey, I'm gonna do this. This, this looks really cool. And, and, and Brooks Cubic was a, a, a was the guy in a heart training uh, newsletter that uh, had an article on the, on grip training. And mentioned the captains of Crush, and that sounded really cool. So, so he actually, if you go back in time, how did the grip board eventually get to where it's at today? The influence goes all the way back to him in hard training. Um, when, and that's really the catalyst for me getting involved with grip strength. The grip board, I believe, now has been around for over 12 years online. 
from a form, and it's, con it's continued to grow as well. Um, we have the MASH Monster certification that we created uh, from that perspective. Um, we're synced up with all the different, the various people who are, you know, especially Iron Mine. Uh, they're the, the when it comes to grippers, you know, they're they've they've always been uh, they were the beginning, and uh, they remained, you know, strong. Obviously, from from supplying one of the best things that that people get addicted to, and as far as the captains of crush grippers. Now we're going to talk about another one of your great achievements: your ebook, How to Transform Your Physique. There's no gimmicks. It's it's healthy eating, and I know it works because I've tried it. I'm not doing it all the time like you, but I've tried it. I like to stuff my face and be a pig, Bill. You know, that's the truth. But <laughs> when I yeah. want to trim down, I just pull out your book, and it always works. I mean, I think the first week I tried it, I lost six pounds. Could you could you talk a little bit about the principles in your great ebook, How to Transform Your Physique? Yeah, it's really it really comes down to just eating healthy. Um, and some of the one of the basic things um, that the basic things that people can get better health and it's one of the primary things in in ebook is cutting out sugar and processed sugar. If you do that, and even if you cut back, you're going to find that, you, that you're going to improve your overall health. You're going to start dropping uh, body fat as well from that perspective. So that's one of the underlying principles. Um, the rest of the information, really, to be honest with you, people, would, when they read it, even say, well, yeah, I've read that before or heard that before. And it kind of just puts it all together when we're talking about eating vegetables. Um, portion control is another one. Drinking enough water. So these are all getting enough good fats in your diet. So principles, basically, aren't anything new from that perspective. But I, I don't know why I never put two and two together myself uh, from that and, and, and recognized it. And, and maybe I'm more typical and the average person just doesn't kind of put it all together. So basically what I tried to do is put it all together and make it really simple. And, and, like, and really the goal of the of e-book e was I just felt I needed to share it with people um, just because it was I had gotten such phenomenal results. And it was such basic stuff. Um, not eating processed foods, cutting out processed foods. Uh, everybody's heard that before. So uh, these really aren't new principles per se. Uh, they've been around for decades, but uh, it's, all, it's just a matter of putting it together and being straightforward and honest about it with no spinning. And that's basically what I did. Um, you're not going to get away. I mentioned again, I mentioned portion control. You, you still can, can get gain weight by even eating healthy, too much healthy food. So, so that's kind of the, the, the crux of, of what I did from that perspective. In the, yeah, for example, no alcohol. Okay, if you want, if you want it, alcohol is high in calories or at least limited. Um, it's, mm -hmm. So that was another recommendation as well. Uh, but for those people out there, if you want one of the number one recommendations is Control that sugar in your diet, and you're going to be much better off. And that, that means excluding it if possible. And if you're going to get some sugar, get it from, from some healthy fruit, but still portion control. So that's kind of right. it in a nutshell. You're not high on dairy either, right? Uh, that's correct. I've, for some reason, so uh, 
I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me about one of the things I noticed in contests. So I do a lot of reading still today. I, I love learning. I'm continuously learning. That's, a, that's one of the things I love about it. I'm always learning something new. One of the things I noticed uh, myself was the effect of dairy that it had on, on my body fat level. I don't know what it is chemically or whatever. And then I correlated it to all the, if you, I don't care whether it's all the way from Mr. Olympia down to, uh, down to a local level. I never saw dairy in a, in a contest bodybuilding diet. Okay, so then you scratch, scratch my head going, well, I've seen correlation myself based on the result uh, it, by cutting out dairy. And you just don't see it in the diet. And uh, no one has come out and say, you know, I've never had someone say, avoid this stuff, but you just don't see it in there. Never, I never saw it in there. But I did get a little bit of data correlation. That's kind of my, the engineer in me. And uh, but I never was never big on it. I, there's other protein sources, um, you know, cheese along the way. The other thing that uh, that made me cut out dairy. My parents gave me a cholesterol. And basically, uh, I inherited a, a potential cholesterol problem. I don't have high cholesterol because it's completely controlled uh, with with the proper diet. But eating a bunch of cheese, for example, uh, basically elevates my uh, my cholesterol big time. So it really is a health thing too. Besides the fact that for, it makes me retain water, and, and, and there's no way I could get into single digits body fat if I ate a dairy like I did before when I was powerlifting. Bill, are you a um, eat when you're hungry kind of guy, or a six meals a day kind of guy, or or you know how many meals do you uh, try to eat a day? I, it varies. I've actually, so I'm somewhere, I typically average four to five, uh, and it's, it's really small meals. And the reason why it's, it's more psychological, the people say, I don't care about the nutrient timing and all that. It, it, when you feel like you're always eating, then you're, you're typically going to have a tendency to, to me psychologically, if you not go, gee, I'm, I'm hungry again. Well, I, I never get... I never eat when I'm hungry because I'm never hungry. That's one of the keys to success because if you're trying to cut and you're hungry, it's just not going to work. What makes you so successful is you know how to eat healthy and control your appetite while you do it. Exactly. One of the things that people don't recognize is, and, and this is one of the keys, and it really I want to update my, my ebook because I've really learned about it uh, as far as healthy eating is, is I, I call you got to feed your feed your your dragster high octane dragster fuel, and 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 high octane fuel are things like broccoli, for example. You can eat a boatload of broccoli, and the question is, is people say, well, it doesn't taste very good. Or there's ways to make it where where you can uh, where it tastes better, but again, you got to recognize what you're eating for. Are you eating for health? Are you eating for because it tastes good? So, so if you eat because it tastes good, at least recognize that. Okay, so you can eat a heck of a lot of broccoli and uh, say a serving of salmon, grilled salmon, and two cups of broccoli. Um, that's a, that's a pretty good amount of food. So six ounce uh, fillet of, of grilled salmon, two cups of broccoli, say two cups of cooked kale. And, and the amount of calories in that kale and broccoli isn't very great at all. But you're getting, you're feeling like you're eating a ton of food. And in my belief is, you know, I've been experimenting in, in the past three or four months, you're eating a lot of food. Your body also has to process that as well. 
And there's a lot of fiber and bulk associated with it. And you're talking about two cups of kale cooked and uh, in your, uh, two cups of broccoli. You're gonna, you got the good fats in there from the salmon. Um, I, it's, it's a huge appetite suppression in general, so I don't walk around hungry. And once I eat a meal, for example, at about 6 o'clock, I'm done eating. That's one another thing, Bob, that, that, that once, I'm, once I'm done with the last meal, I'm done. So I, don't, I do not uh, eat anything after that until the next breakfast the next morning. And I'm not starving either, by the way, so I'm not craving something later. My blood sugar levels, because of eliminating sugar completely, I'm not getting any sort of, of spiking going on in my blood sugar levels to go, God, I'm, I'm ravished or anything like that. And the other key thing that people, and they, they do read this too, is drinking a lot of water. And once you get used to it, I probably drink two gallons of water a day um, throughout the day. Wow. And, and, and it's just a normal, normal thing. I'm not, uh, yeah, do I go to the bathroom quite often? Yeah. You must yeah. be pissing like a racehorse. <laughs> yeah. so, two gallons of water a day. And so I, I also believe that most people are walking around semi-dehydrated. And, and so you've probably heard that. I remember reading or hearing before people will eat because they're actually dehydrated, and the body will trigger that, and you'll actually eat instead uh, instead of drinking. So uh, that's something that it was. It had to be years ago. I heard that, and I kind of got correlation with that. Um, again, I don't have any problem. I'm a habit guy, uh, so I don't have any problem at, at work. Uh, for example, I have a, a clear, uh, clear jug where I can see a gallon and a half, so I can uh, base during the course of the day. If I'm low on uh, on getting that that drink during the course of the day, it scares me in the face. That's a little a little technique I use with respect to drinking enough water. Sit it on your counter. Here's my goal for the day. I need to have this gone by the end of the day. And if your goal is every time you pass by, say, in your kitchen, and you see that water jug out there and, and right re- re- back in front of you, um, that's kind of you say, okay, that's my goal. I've got more to go. And so it's, a, it's kind of a, a good mental stimulator when you're seeing that goal of drinking that gallon of water a day sitting right there in front of you all the time. Um, so that's a little trick I use with myself as well. That's a good idea. i got to start doing that down here because I'm in Florida now, and I know i got to drink more water down here. A lot of times when I'm kind of slacking off on diet and I want motivation, I go to your Facebook page. I know that you put lots of delicious-looking healthy food on there, so uh, thanks for doing that. Yeah, no problem. Well, at least someone was looking at it. Like, like I said, I, I feel uh, the reason I posted is just to, to say that, you know, show, hey, this is pretty, it's pretty simple stuff. And look at, uh, look at how much you can actually eat, you know, from, uh, from a, a food standpoint. And that, like I said, that continues to amaze me uh, from that perspective. And by the way, I have to credit uh, my work for the, in the last six weeks for, for this little experiment because, we fielded a team. Uh, we had a, a, a vegetable challenge at work as part of the wellness program where I work, and we fielded a team of ten people. And basically, you get points for vegetable servings of vegetables. And uh, I'm pretty competitive, so uh, it got to the point where it had nothing to do with colorful choices, but it had to do with how many uh, you, you get top choices. And so that's why I know, for example, kale, spinach, and broccoli 
we get an extra point because they're very low calorie and very high nutrient. And so you, those, a serving of that, you give you three points. And so basically what I had done uh, to try and get the full, you could get up to nine servings a day. And so uh, we actually, I, I think we came in second. We're in first right now, but uh, we may get overtaken because you, you can backlog your point. But that whole eating even more vegetables occurred because of that wellness challenge and just being competitive and uh, eating a lot more servings than I ever have before. So I was eating, you know, two, three cups of broccoli and, and, uh, and finding that I was uh, actually getting more leaner uh, from that perspective as well by actually increasing the, the, those power vegetables. Uh, so go figure. I don't even buy salad anymore. I just make my own out of the broccoli florets. I just, I just cut them up in half, you know, and then just make that the salad. And, and I just cook a chicken breast or whatever meat or fish or pork chops or whatever, and I cut that up and put it right on top of the broccoli floret salad and and it looks like your Facebook page. <laughs> and it, I actually it, it tastes good too. Yeah, I was kind of it was kind of funny because it's pretty. Uh, we're to try and get more servings. Then uh, what I found was I had this big, uh, big actually a big uh, nonstick frying pan, and uh, found that 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 kale just like spinach cooks down immensely. So I had a huge. <laughs> we, I got got huge bags of kale from Costco, organic kale and could put in huge amounts of kale, and it would cook down. I'd cook it down to a very dense, I don't recommend this necessarily, but this was a competition, you know. I, it would cook down to this kale block. And uh, I, I actually have a picture on my Facebook page. This huge amount of kale uh, cooked down to this very dense block of about of five by five kale. Uh, and I, that's what I was eating, so I get multiple servings at once. So I, I'm not—I don't do that normally, but heck, this is a competition, and, and all the stops were pulled out for it. So, Bill, we have time for one more question, and it's going to okay. concern nutrition as well. But I know um, it's one of the most important things, and that's overlooked a lot too. So, for, for natural bodybuilding, I know both training properly and eating properly are important. But for competition, we're talking about. Which would you say is more important, and why the the, the training or the or the eating? Uh, well, my opinion would be eating primarily. Um, you can do a lot of different things training, and just by accident, you know, gain muscle from that perspective. But if you don't have your diet in order from an eating standpoint, it's not going to matter. There's no way that you can, and this is one of the things that that I really uh, uh, preach from the perspective is there's no way. You can out-exercise a poor diet and or out-train a poor diet. It's just not possible. And, and a lot of people don't recognize that. And they toil away. I, it, now that I'm training at a commercial gym, I see people come in and, they, and, and they're, they're sweating their, their, their buns off, and yet they're make, there's no change from a physique standpoint to them. And, and, and the reason why is, is, that, is the diet piece is not in order first. From that perspective, my belief actually is I'd rather have someone get that in order before I even have them start training, uh, because they're going to be able to make a lot of progress on you know the person, for example, that wants to cut body fat, and and I'd actually tell you know if they're not interested in training, 
at first, you know, where you could get them interested later, especially if they're untrained, as you know, Bob, and they're ripe for the pickings to gain some muscle then at the same time of cleaning up their diet. But if they're not interested in training, that to not, you know, don't worry about that for now. You can make a huge improvement in your health through diet. So, again, connecting that in, I think it's critical, period, from that standpoint uh, for to success not only in bodybuilding in, but but in health and for everyone from that perspective. And I, I keep putting percentages out there, you know, throwing 80, 85% of the game uh, really is, is all what you take into your body. And I believe even in overall health and things that occur from your overall health standpoint, uh, that's a huge role as well as what you're taking in your body. Bill, aren't you considering competing in bodybuilding as well? I know you sent me an email about that recently. What bodybuilding competitions are you considering entering? Well, I'm kind of one of the things uh, I thought about. I really this was a thought, um, probably too early. Since I'm 51, uh, one of the things was uh, there's bodybuilding right now. The men's physique thing is getting too uh, is exploding, and that's that's kind of rubbing some of the bodybuilders the wrong way. Um, but that was one thing because I'm at my age now. My one of my worst body parts due to powerlifting is legs. And, and I, I tell my son uh, that one of the things, if you're going to be a bodybuilder in general, it doesn't matter where, what type of competition, legs are the separator. Everybody's got an upper body but from that perspective. You live and die by, by what's below your waist from that perspective. So I kind of uh, messed up uh, from, well, you can call it messing up, but if I ever wanted to be a bodybuilder, I that's probably my weakest point right now is, is having balanced legs from me. It's also the hardest for a natural, as you know, to be able to develop muscle mass and be able to keep it with lower body fat. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I've, I, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm going to wait till 50, 55 or 60 or something and then relook at it again. Cause, cause I have a feeling I'm, I, I figured that the, the high, the better chance I'd have, the older I get. Um, and I've actually kind of seen that, um, by the way, as a positive thing with social media, getting back to that, where you see have, I have seen some competitors who look great uh, that are their older masters competitors. Um, so that's, that's really what I'm saying. And, of course, it would have to be drug-free, uh, would have to be connected to it as well. So, and, and right now, there's not a lot, like I said, uh, of contest even in men's physique with over 50. Um, so that's I'm, I'm going with both of those. Uh, I've thought about those. Nothing serious. Uh, um, my wife had already gone through the ringers of powerlifting back in the day, so we wouldn't even consider it at this point just because of that. I, I called in all my markers many years ago for decades. <laughs> sitting at sitting at powerlifting meets, sitting at powerlifting meets, as you know, Bob is like watching grass grow. So it's true. It's like an all-day thing. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the things that holds me back too. Uh, my wife would. There's no way, uh, even if I, even if I did consider it at this point, uh, she was. Uh, no, the markers are in. We, you, uh, you spent all your chips <laughs> for ten years when I, when you're, when you're dragging me to powerlifting contests. You know, during especially when we were first married and everything. So, and I quit in, when my son was born in uh, 1991, basically. So that was from 86 to 91, and even before we were married, I was dragging around uh, 
into powerlifting contests. So. Yeah, you know what the most fun part of uh, the powerlifting contest was for me? They usually have weigh-ins a couple of hours before the meet, right? I'd usually be right on the edge of the weight class. I'd either be heavy for the 181s or light for the 198. This is back way back a long, long time ago because I haven't seen south of 200 in a while. When I was competing, I was 181 usually. So usually before the meet, I'd have to lose five or six pounds, you know? I remember such <laughs> exhilaration. It was just happiness, right? When you make the weigh-in after several days of suffering, then you come in and it weighs 180 and a half and it's just balancing back and forth and you made it and now it's time to go stuff your face. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And you know what the best, what I actually had a, le- a lesson learned from about that is <laughs> it, it, even a lesson that I learned about that was horrible because it was an outside contest. And it was uh, in Lansing, Michigan. They have every summer, my training partner and I, I think we did it three or four years in in a row. They had an outdoor deadlift-only contest. And what I learned was horrible about it was, with respect to what you're just talking about, is if not eating food you're used to. (laughs) And (laughs) and both of us almost, and it was 90 degrees out, both of us uh, almost threw up on the platform. Uh, because we were stuffing ourselves with food we didn't really, our body wasn't used to. It was 90 degrees, sitting out in the heat. Um, so, yeah, we barely kept it down. Uh, so that's my biggest uh, memory, about, <laughs> very specific to that. And I never did learn that until after I stopped powerlifting. It, of uh, You know, I was getting upset stomach because, yeah, you'd stuff yourself, and it wasn't food that you're used to. So, so your body yeah. kind of didn't know what the heck to do with it and you're like oh my gosh my gut i know exactly you know what that was like because sometimes you oh you're you're suffering for like the final four or five days to make the weight and you're sitting in the sun even you're spitting you're pissing you're doing everything right and you barely make it and then you just go out and just pig out and sometimes you do too much just like you just said and then at the meet you're, you're belching and farting and almost puking cuz you think <laughs> too much i think i think <laughs> i think one when you put the the, the weight belt on the to squat or something and you you almost you know you can't do it almost i think i was uh i made the weight it, and I got down to about 180, but I think I competed at like 186 or something. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you then you had that whole mindset of, yeah, man, I'm going to compete. I'm, I'm going to add this. Uh, my weight's going to shoot up. It's going to give me all this extra leverage and everything like that. And I'm going to really, I'm going to put up PRs and everything, you know. Yeah, and usually after you do that, you do worse. You know, you you, you don't do as yep. good because you stuff yourself too much. I want to encourage all of our listeners to check out Bill's sites. It's cyberpump.com and transformyourphysique.com. And thank you so much, Bill, for being on the show. Well, hey, Bob, it was great uh, to talk to you. And I always have fun, and I could do this all night probably from that perspective, and I really appreciate you having me on the show. Don't be a flamingo, you have to do your squat. Don't be a flamingo, real lifters work their legs. Wow. 
Yo, Bob. It's just it's just Christian. Just wanted to give you a call and just say, do not be a flamingo. It's easy enough prevented with variations of the squat, namely the front squat and the back squat. Easy prevented. Don't be one, whatever you do, because they sure do look funny. Thanks again for having me. Take care, sir. Bye. Don't be a flamingo. You have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo. Real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for NaturalStrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion, and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at MindForceRadio at Earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>